0: Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. One of the uh, great epic novels in all of history was J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. It was originally going to be one book. They Told him it was so long he had to break it into three. Uh, And it's an epic tale that actually began an entire genre of literature. It was kind of the first in a new genre of fantasy and imagining kind of alternative worlds. Uh, You know, it became a very popular movie series a number of years ago. And it is an epic saga. But what's amazing about it, with all of the battles, all of the history, all of the things that happen in the story, at its heart, it's really a story about friendship and community. That's really what it is about. Now, why do I say that? Well, the name of the very first book, which became the first movie, is The Fellowship of the Ring. It's how these people from the different parts, they're actually different types of beings, different types of human beings, elves and dwarves and all this, and they come together uh, to work and fight Uh, together. And really at the heart of the story is the friendship of Frodo and Sam, these two little hobbits. And it's only by uniting together that the people of Middle Earth are going to be able to overcome the forces of darkness that are kind of threatening to swallow Middle Earth. And what's truly amazing about it is with all of this epic battle and everything that goes on the story begins and ends not with the battles and everything else but back in the shire this little place where the hobbits live and it really begins and ends almost in a home because for Tolkien that's what it's really about the hero of the story in many ways is actually Sam this humble character. And people, you know, often asked, did the ring represent the atomic bomb and all these kind of things? He's like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't represent any of those kind of things. But he was telling a tale of this is what life is like. And at the heart of life is community. Whatever is going on, whether you live in good times or bad, community lies at the heart of life. And So today I wanted us just just to take a a week and and take a look at this and why life is better together. Luke tells us three major things about the church community here in Acts chapter 2. And make no mistake, he's talking historically about what happened starting there at the day of Pentecost with the early church. But... He's doing it in a way that he's in essence saying, this is a pattern for what the church is to look like. He doesn't do this every time the church gets planted in a new area, but he's laying out what the church looks like. And he tells us three key things. Number one, the church is a community that worships together. Notice in verses 42 and 46, he says, they devoted themselves. That's a very important word, to be devoted. I mean, they're giving themselves over to this. Well, what do they devote themselves to? The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. So notice verse 42 is actually a description of the word we usually use as the liturgy of the early church. If you, What did the early church do when it gathered? Luke tells us. The apostles taught the word of God. They were fellowshipping with one another. They're breaking bread, which in Luke universally means the Lord's table. It's not just having a meal. It's the Lord's table always in the writings of Luke. And then uh, they are devoted to prayer, or more technically in the Greek, it's really the prayers, the the common prayers that they had together. So this is describing that's what their early church gatherings looked like, If you've been coming to our gatherings for a while, that should sound very, very familiar because that's in fact what we do every time we get together because that's exactly what they did in the early church. And that even includes, by the way, when we're singing each week, if you notice our songs, just like the book of Psalms, is the book of Psalms songs or prayers? It's a trick question. The answer is yes, it's both. It's prayers that are being sung which is exactly what we're doing in our singing is we are offering our prayers, whether they are praise, whether they are confession, whether they are supplication and crying out to God, we do that. So we're doing the same thing the early church did in our gatherings. And Luke describes that for us. And notice in verse 46, he, he goes on to say, look, this wasn't something that happened on Pentecost for like a week. This was the regular practice of the early church. If you want to know what the early church was doing, just regularly they're gathering, and we'll see both in their temple and, in the temple and in their homes. This is not an occasional activity. In fact, the central facet that Luke wants to communicate about the church is that the church is a community that gathers for public worship the church gathers for worship. Now I remind you, very early on in the book of Acts, how were they received by others? Did the church start undergoing persecution? It did. Okay. But did they continue to gather for worship? They did. If we look around the globe today at churches that exist in countries where there is persecution, whether it is China or, you know, we've had photos here from countries that I can't even name, specifically in the Middle East, where people have brought in photos of underground church gatherings that are happening. The church gathers for worship. It is what the church does. Now, today there's a lot of Christians, particularly here in America, for whom gathering for weekly worship with the church is some kind of an optional thing. I don't do that. I get together with a few other believers at Starbucks. Hey, that's great, But that's not what the church is. The church gathers for worship. Are you at Starbucks having the public proclamation of the Word of God, engaging in fellowship, engaging in common prayers together, coming to the Lord's table? Because that's what worship is. And Luke is telling us that's what's central to the identity of the church. In Scripture, the lifeblood of the local church community is we gather for worship. We come together for God's word. We come together to pray together. We come together to come to communion. A very word, and it says says you can't do this on your own. You do this together. And we come together for fellowship. Now, that's kind of the amazing thing. Notice in there, you might It makes sense, you know, well, we want the teaching of the scripture because God's going to speak to us, and we want prayer because we're going to speak back to God, and we can understand the Lord's table because the Lord is going to meet uh, us and minister to us. What about fellowship? But notice Luke says that that's part of worship. There's not only a vertical dimension to worship, we're not called simply to come to receive from God and to give our praise and honor to God, we are called to receive from and give to one another as part of our worship. We're not going to take time today to do it, but but what's the most common metaphor that Paul uses for the church? We are the body of Christ. And that's because in the body we're told that all the parts are with one another. They they help one another. They serve one another one another. And that is actually part of our worship. So what that means is for the local church, as a believer, we need to make gathering each week a priority. It's not an option. It's not a, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if I, if I have a job at an office, h- how important is it for that job that I work? Okay, it's kind of the point of what I'm doing. Well, the church, that's what it is, us gathering for worship. We gather and we don't let other things get in the way because it's the lifeblood of everything else. It flows out. What you're going to go do tomorrow and what I'm gonna do tomorrow is important. We are serving God in our vocations. But the lifeblood that strengthens us to do that is gathering for worship. And so it's really important, and I again note, and I'm going to kind of use this as a mantra this morning, note fellowship is part of it. And so that means we need to repeat to ourselves every week as we gather, come early, stay late. That's part of worship. Worship is the entire thing we are doing here. So I want to encourage us, I should not be driving up as we're in the middle of the first song and we're coming in, and then I'm out the door as soon as the meeting is over. If I do that, I've cut out 25% of what Luke identifies as worship, that he puts right in there. It's imperative that we build relationships with one another. So that's the first part. Church is community that worships together. Secondly, that leads to a church is a community that shares life together. Notice he moves on in verses 44 to 46 that all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they give to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, but they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So notice in these verses, Luke is describing the life of the believers almost entirely other than saying that they continued to meet together in the temple courts and even they were breaking bread in their homes, which again is a reference Uh, to them, uh, not just having a meal, but specifically coming to the Lord's table. But they also ate together. They also were together with one another. They were taking care of one another's needs. Uh, So the community that worships together shares life together. That's what he's saying. It begins with us gathering for worship, but it doesn't stay there. If we try to build community without worshiping together, it's not gonna work. But if we say our community is simply that we worship together, that's not what we're called to either. It is both uh, that we do that. So the community that ate together uh, this was a community that ate together, noticed that they care for one another, and they even sacrificed to help one another. You have a need, I've got something I can just sell to give you money. They do this. This is not enforced socialism or something like that. This isn't an economic plan, nor is anything else in the scripture, honestly, an economic plan. This is just simply saying, this is what community is like. If you have a need, and I have a way to meet that need, I will gladly extend myself and do that. Now, again, notice that this is flowed right out of verse 42. So if I don't gather with God's people weekly for worship, I'm going to find it difficult to connect with the local church community. But the fellowship that begins in gathered worship, it's one part of us worshiping together, uh, feeds into the sharing of life outside Sunday worship. Now, notice here he 's got that they meet together in the temple courts, which is a big guy, but they 're also meeting in their homes, which we 've referred to by various names throughout our church life small groups, <laughs> life groups you know now we call them connect groups we 're always what 's the name that we 're calling them by now, but the point there is that 's exactly what they 're doing they 're in their homes together as well it 's not only large public worship, but even being together in church gatherings, Uh, and that includes for us things like youth group, which is our young people gathering, but all of our other connect groups. But notice it's even more than that. This is a people who are building true community, and that means we gather whenever we can. As I mentioned, notice uh, in the bridge this past week that we've mentioned a bunch of things for ladies getting together, guys getting together, just people being willing to go off and you know have a hike. We're gonna have a family conference. We have, don't even have it in there, but we'll have the bonfire again this fall. All of those are opportunities to get together. But the notice here, the selling possessions and goods, giving to anyone who's in need, the, the picture and and eating together with glad and sincere hearts that envisions something more than the apostle saying hey we're gonna have a dinner tomorrow you know this night at uh, Shlomo's house you know on Tuesday or whatever this is much more than that this is a, a group that is saying we're just sharing life together we are spending time with one another uh, I encourage one of the things that uh, that I've loved uh, Mark Holmes uh, he and and his mom who's Can't make it often because of Miss Joanne's age, uh, but they oftentimes just go out to eat lunch with folks afterwards on Sunday. It's a great thing. Just hang out together. Grab somebody, go out to lunch, go to a ball game, a museum, the zoo together. If you're doing something, don't do it on your own. Do it with somebody else in the congregation because that is how we build community. It also includes if you've got a skill and somebody has a need, jump in and be able to help, you know, do it. Praying for one another. We, we've had out a meal train here recently and there'll be other opportunities when somebody goes through a surgery or a baby's born or something like that goes on. It's a chance as we give, it actually knits us together. So the possibilities are endless and that's kind of what Luke is saying. This, what began as a formal public worship gathering is spilling into all of life. That's what community is. And then that leads to the third thing, which is the community being on mission together. So notice how he ends in verse 47. He says they're praising God, which is back to that kind of public worship thing, but They're praising God, they're enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the community that worships together is on mission together. They're worshiping together, praising God, but they're on mission together. They're, they're enjoying the favor of the people and God is adding to their number. God is bringing people into the community. This is the beginning of the church going forth to make disciples of all nations. You remember that's what Jesus had told them. In Matthew's gospel, we get the great commission we're usually familiar with, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. In the book of Acts, Right before the Spirit is poured out, Jesus actually says, look, you're to wait here in Jerusalem, the Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So the church is a group that gathers together. We are building community, but we're not in it just for ourselves. We are called together to be engaged in mission, and we are in mission together. A a local church can't simply be focused inward, but it's got to have a vision and mission to reach the world. And notice for them, it started in Jerusalem. What's our Jerusalem? Annapolis, right here. And notice, it's, you know, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. If you look, he's just drawing out concentric circles and saying, "I could keep adding in, and I could." He could have added in Antioch and you know the next city, but he just said, "You get the point." Ends of the earth, and that's exactly what it is for us. The church is called together to be engaged in mission, spreading the word of God from here to the ends of the earth. So. Each week, we end our meeting, and we've all learned this mantra. We are blessed, why? To be a blessing. God does not pour blessing into us. Remember, we started the meeting today with Psalm 133. When we gather for worship, God commands a blessing. God gives a blessing, but why does he do that? What are we to do with it? Spread it, share it. If we try to keep the blessing the blessing ends up dying. It only lives and thrives as it's passed on, as it is shared. That has to be in the lifeblood of who we are. Now, again, this is going to include, I get the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody just personally. I just am reaching out to a neighbor a family member, a friend, trying to share who Christ is. It can be something as simple as just inviting somebody to the church gathering and saying, hey, come and see, come and taste, come, come be part and experience what God is doing in our midst. Or I can share with them the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. But it also includes us as a community together. This is why regularly, you know, we're talking right now about the county fair a great opportunity to partner together. Everybody there, if, if you're there and you're helping little kids dig shark teeth, but it's helping somebody else to be standing there actually engaging and sharing the gospel, you're on mission together. We are part of what we are doing together uh, in doing that. We've obviously got the, the Easter egg hunt, but we're also looking at other ways. One of the things, and you could be praying for this, we've begun partnering together and sharing a little bit with Georgetown East Elementary School. And I want to say, it's, it's been a surprising blessing how open they've been. Is that not right, Karen? Karen was there. We, we were offering to put some hot dogs out and serve at a sneak-a-peek day, they called it, and we were not expecting to be able to say much about the church. I was going to wear a church t-shirt, you know, and they were like, don't you want to give out information about your church? Sure we would love to. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be back down there this Wednesday when they're doing their back to school night. We're just starting to build relationships, looking for ways that we can serve the community. But in serving the community and building relationships, what do we hope to be able to share? The gospel, okay? It start If, if giving out hot dogs helps us get to giving out Jesus, <laughs> that's a good way to go. That's what we're looking for. And we do all of that together. So we're going to continue to be looking for ways to do that because that's part of what the church does. And all of this is not an option. I kind of like the public worship part, uh, you know, so I'll do that. No, it's all of it. it. It is a complete package. It all goes together. So how do we apply this? What does it mean? You know, that's kind of the overview of Luke's thing I'm going to step back for a second and get a little bit theological here, but explain why this is so important. I want to answer, why is life better together? I mean, why, okay, so they did that, but I want to do it a little bit differently. There's two reasons why life is better together. Number one, because we were created for community. I remind you, go back to Genesis, and we're told... You know, God's creating everything, but when it comes for humans, we're told for the first time, we get this hint, let us make man in our image. And so in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. There is this note of community. We get the the first glimpse that our one God is somehow also in us and in our, which is develops over the Scripture to the doctrine of the Trinity, and it means that we are created in the image of the Trinity. The Trinity is the divine community, a community of of love and giving and sharing between Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and we're specifically told that we are created in the image of that Trinity. Interestingly enough, in Genesis 2, we get a picture of creation from a little bit of a different angle, and we find out that Adam was made first by himself. Eve is not there. And before the fall, before there is any sin, before anything has gone wrong, what does God say when he looks at Adam by himself? It's not good for man to be alone. Now, is that about marriage? Yes, we're about to get, but it's a much deeper statement than that. It is not good for man to be alone. We are created for community. And so this is central to who we are. And this is true whether I'm an extrovert or an introvert. It's true whether I'm young or old, whether I'm a man or a woman, whether I'm rich or poor or whatever else, you were created for community. And so was I. And we all need relationships to experience full blessing. If I ask and say, who wants blessing overflowing so much that you can't contain it? We all want that. But what God is saying is the only way to get that is in community. It does not happen in isolation. So that's point one, we were created for community. But point two is we were redeemed for community. I want you to think about how God worked redemption for us. We celebrate this every Advent. Christmas, but we were redeemed because Jesus took our flesh. Now, if you were a business consultant going to God, is that a very efficient means of redemption? Having the second person of the Trinity take a body where he's stuck in time and space and walk, and he's got to live 33 years. See, American business would be all over that, saying that is the most wildly inefficient thing ever. And God would say, you're right, it's also the only way that redemption can actually work. Because of the nature of humanity, the nature of redemption requires incarnation. And it's consistent with creation and human nature, and it means that redemption is inherently personal and face-to-face. We've been journeying through Mark's gospel. We're walking with Jesus. And I remind you, you know, we're probably going to take a little over two years to do this, but how long does Mark's gospel actually cover? Three and a half years. Jesus walked with them slowly. He was eating with them. He was spending time with them. He is teaching them. He's praying with them. He's at times exasperated with how dull the disciples are about stuff. He's having to work through that. That is the nature of uh, redemption. But also consider that when we are redeemed by Jesus, what do we also automatically become part of? The church. It's not a two-stage process. Well, I got Jesus, and then later he says, you've matured enough to the point would you like to be part of the church? The second you are joined to Jesus, you are joined to the church. It is impossible to be joined to him without being joined to the church. So that means that the the method of redemption points out how central community is. If we think about the, the nature of discipleship, we've broken ours down here, love, connect, serve, reach, on these little signs we've got behind us. But notice, love our God is our worship to God. It's what we gather each Sunday to do. Connecting with one another and serving one another is actually building this community with one another. And then reaching is being on mission and reaching the world. It's discipleship. Other churches, we could, we could put other words up there, but there is no other process uh, of discipleship. There's no other path of discipleship. And you cannot do any of these in isolation okay? It is love our God. You know, I remind you, Jesus taught us a prayer, right? And how does it begin? My Father? How does it begin? Our Father. I challenge you, we are so individualistic in our culture. The scripture is not. The scripture is communal. So, so both creation and redemption do this. This is why the scripture knows nothing of a Christian life apart from real community in a local church. So in applying the word, do I see I'm created and redeemed for community? It's not a matter of just this one passage. This is the entire context of what it means to be human and what it means to be part of the new creation, the new humanity that God's making. Do I understand that? Now, that should bring up the question, then why do we even need to talk about it? And that's because community is hard. And it's hard for two reasons. Number one, it's because of sin. Sin makes community hard. Uh, it's a reality. Because you remember in the garden, Adam and Eve are there, and they sin. And immediately they start covering themselves up. And this is not just a story of why we got clothes. It's a statement that they had been completely open to one another and now all of a sudden they're ashamed in one another's presence. And so immediately we start sensing a separation. And then when God comes in and confronts their sin, you remember Adam had been bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, you are everything I desire. And then the Lord says, Adam, did you eat the fruit? And what does Adam say? she did it. It's her fault. And what did Eve say? It's not in the Bible, but you and I are going to have a serious conversation as soon as the Lord is done. You're in trouble, buddy. You're sleeping on the sofa tonight. Right? I mean, there is a breakdown. Notice, not just in their relationship with God, but with one another immediately. They didn't have to wait. It's the second it happens. Sin always separates. And here's the bad news. I don't care what human being it is, if you spend more than a few minutes with them, they are going to offend you, hurt you, say something wrong, do something wrong, in some way fail you, struggle you. It is guaranteed. The only way to avoid that is to not be around human beings. To keep myself completely miserable. But the problem is, I was designed to be around human beings. So that's not really an option. What it requires, however, is that we have to resist the impulse, because when sin happens, we're like Adam and Eve. I want to hide. I want to cut myself off. When sin happens, it's easier to say, "Well, that relationship is done. I'm just going to go find another one. But what's the problem? What's going to happen in that relationship? The same thing is going to happen again. And in fact, what happens is over time, the more I walk away from relationships, the harder and harder and harder it becomes to sustain any relationships for any period of time. Because I'm just carrying around a bunch of wounds. None of it can work. Like fine wine, relationships get better over time. But that means, over time, being able to forgive one another, being able to honestly confront one another, being able to say, "I'm sorry, I failed you," uh, and of course, we can see this in the closest relationship that many of us will have is even with our spouse. Is it is is marriage all easy? It, it is not, and so, some of you are wisely not shaking your head because <laughs> your spouse is looking at you, right? We all know, if, you, if you've been married any length of time, you know, we, so a bunch of us were at a wedding last night and you always hear at a wedding how much two people love each other and do all this and, and the, the part of me that sits there and has worked with marriages for years says, yes, and there is a lot coming down the road that nobody's talking about and that nobody is seeing But that's the way it is. And there's a lot of, actually, right now there is so much stuff in our culture saying, you know, marriage worked when we were all dying in our 50s. But it's just too long. You can't expect people to stay together that long. That's foolishness. The problem is, is what we're not wanting to do is learn to forgive one another. Walk with one another. uh, In honor, prefer one another. And if we can't do it in our marriage, we don't want to do it in the church but blessing resides in being a So that's the first thing. That's just sin that has always been there. But there are some current cultural issues that are also discouraging community that are kind of like a magnifying glass. They're taking that nature of sin and making it easier to try and isolate. Uh, so if you notice, in, right now in our culture, we have a fracturing of the calendar. For a long time in Western history, everybody had the same calendar. You, you were in a church, and we were all celebrating the church calendar and following a certain thing, and we were doing things together. And then even when that kind of started fracturing, we still had things that were in common. I remember growing up in the, the deep south in the Bible Belt, um, that even though very few people went to church on Wednesday night, all businesses shut down on Wednesday afternoon, much less Sunday. I mean, there was nothing open on Sunday. You couldn't buy gas on Sunday. You couldn't do anything. And not even because it was a law. It was just everybody was operating in the same rhythm, and so also little league games did not happen on Sunday and they did not happen on Wednesday. They just you didn't have practice, you didn't do it. Everybody was on a common calendar, and even when that fell apart, I can still remember working. You know, and the number one TV show at the time was Seinfeld, and I wasn't even watching it. I didn't think we had cable at the time, and. But I I knew everything that was going on in Seinfeld because when you walked in, everybody was sitting around getting coffee and talking about what had happened on the episode the night before. Is any of that going on now? No. Everything is fractured. Everybody's living at their own time, their own pace. Uh, We are watching this. You, You know, The digital world is added into the fracturing of the calendar and says, even if there is a TV show that's really popular, when do I watch it? whenever I want, I, I may wait and just binge all at the end of the season. All of that has made building community more difficult. Now, let me be clear. There's blessings from these new technologies and freedoms. There are good things that have come with it. But if we're wise, we're also paying attention. There have been bad things that have come with it. There have been difficulties that have come with it. And then, starting in 2020, COVID dumped into our lives and exacerbated everything even further. Everybody's lives got even more fractured. More and more people started just working from home. So not only were we no longer standing around the water cooler at work talking about the latest TV show because we're all watching it, we're not even at the same water cooler at work anymore because half of us aren't going there, okay? Again, blessings that have come out of that, but also, big difficulties. And, and during COVID, it got us out of communal practice. You know, I said a few minutes ago, a mantra I want us to remember, come early, stay late. You remember during COVID when we were meeting inside, it was come late and we're going to shoo you out right afterwards. Okay? I understand. We, we were doing that for a reason, but that gets us into a bad habit pattern. And that makes building community difficult. So that means for every one of us sitting here, there's no getting away from this. Uh, You and I are wired for community, but you and I have a sin problem and you and I are existing in this culture, which is doing things that while it has benefits, make community more difficult. And I didn't even bring up, you know, our underlying philosophy right now is what, what Charles Taylor, a uh, uh, sociologist of culture, uh, referred to as expressive individualism. Everything's about me, everything's about my personal identity and for, my, for me to be authentic, I must express who I am, which is all being filtered through sin and not surprisingly, you might not find the expression of me all wonderful. But I'm being told, but everybody ought to applaud what I'm doing right? All of which keeps breaking down. So I ask us, is either of those, the reality is both of those things are isolating us from community. But which of them is perhaps the Holy Spirit speaking to us about? That may be more of an issue for me. And let me just mention a couple of things as we get ready to come to the Lord's table for building community today. Number one is just asking, which things is it? You know, again, through covid you know, and I've noted this, it's not like I had never used Amazon before, but when COVID hit, how easy did it get to be to say, I need this widget. It'll be here tomorrow. Right? Am I the only person that has done that? Okay. It's just a new habit pattern to where without even thinking about it, I'm doing what was really about the only option at one point, but now there's plenty of other options, but I'm just trained into doing this particular one. There are other things we cut off and have just not started again because we just kind of fell out of the habit of doing it. So is anything keeping me from pressing into community? This is the first question. And then secondly, I want to encourage us all As we're heading into you know a new fall, we've just come out of the summer. uh, I want to encourage make gathering for worship in person each Sunday a high priority. A high priority. When our kids were young, we just simply said, "Look, we don't do other. We gather with the church on Sunday. That's what we do. We we simply gather with the church." Well, what if my team's going to play on Sunday? Then you're not going. That's just the way it is. We don't do things when we're supposed to be gathering with the church. And that all long predated me being a pastor or anything. We just made it a priority. Because community is essential to blessing. And the less I'm gathering with the church, the less blessing is being poured into my life. Second thing in doing that, a new mantra, come early, stay late. Fellowship is critical. I can come here, go through all the parts, run back out to the car, and I'm missing a huge part of what God actually wants to do in my life. And, and I dare say if most of us were in a line, and, and I, I remember at one point I was, I had a problem in my back, and they had to give me those steroid shots right by your spine. Not the most comfortable procedure ever. And the doctor, you know, stuck the needle in, started putting the stuff, and I was like, hmm. And he was like, does that hurt? And I'm like, well, it's not the most pleasant sensation ever, Doc. I'm not, I'm not going to pay you next week just to do this for fun. I'll put it that way. He said, well, I can stop at any point, but the more I put in, the better it is. And I said, oh, do not stop until the needle is completely empty. I want every drop of that because the pain I'm experiencing in my back is debilitating, and I need that to stop stop. Okay, now that's in a sense a negative, but see what the Lord is doing is saying, how much blessing do you want? Most of us would not say, "Oh, hey, cut it off. Half cup's plenty for me." Most of us want overwhelming. And God says, "If you want overwhelming, come early, stay late, build relationships, get to be with one another, because community is where it happens. Even if we can't join, I encourage you to join in the live stream for weeks that you're out of town. We live in a very mobile culture, but we need to be part because there's a sense that God is speaking and doing something to us. As we'll jump back into Mark's gospel, we're, we're walking with Jesus. We're going through it and we do it together. And look for other ways, connect group, other fellowship opportunities we've got. And if you notice somebody is not even here, this is where we can recoup. I've mentioned a few things that these things cause problems with, and they do, but there's also wonderful stuff, as I've said. A great thing is I can pick up the phone and call you. I can just send a text and say, hey, I didn't, I didn't see you this week. How are you doing? Is everything okay? And then find out, uh, my car's broken down and I can't get anywhere. Hey, can I pick you up? Can I help you do this? Reach out to somebody. It, that's not even a spiritual gift. That's just called being Human. That's just us loving and caring for one another, encouraging each other to do it. And reach out to other people. One of the things that's going on right now in our culture, how many people post-COVID particularly are feeling a lack of community? It's all over the place. I mean, I read article after article after article where a person is saying, you know, that I like this, I like that, I like that I'm working from home now, there's benefits. But man, I feel disconnected from people. It's a great opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to say, hey, I know a group of people who are connecting. Come Sunday. (laughs) We're all gonna be there in the same space. It's a communal gathering. It is a great opportunity. I've even read, I read an article this past week of a guy, uh, this was in the Washington Post, who just said, you know, I grew up in the church, I'm struggling with certain things, but I miss the community. I am struggling to find community. That's a person who's ripe for us to encourage and reach out to every once in a while. And even if they say, no, I'll just keep reaching out. I'll keep inviting until the time that you may say yes, and the Lord is working. So all of that is a thing that I just encourage us because it is blessing together. As we began this morning, how good, how pleasant it is when we dwell in unity. And again, that was a a. Song we sang on the way to worship the people of God, and God commands a blessing. We're gonna come to the Lord's table now, and what we're going to do, one aspect of community, and again, this is one of the struggles we're having. To be a community, you have to share things that you believe. People who completely believe opposite things find community difficult. That's one of the reasons we're struggling somewhat in our culture right now, because people are disagreeing over even basic things. So as we come to the Lord's table, we very often do this. We'll either read a creed together or or responsively read some scriptures. This morning what we're going to do is I'm going to put up from 1 Corinthians 15 uh, and summarizing Paul's teaching here of the faith we believe. And we're just going to recite together because it's a reminder. See, this is the central facet of what is important in life. This this is life now and life into eternity. And you and I may look different from one another. We might belong to a different political party. We might have different preferences in music and everything else, but if we share this, we have the essentials in common that are far more important. So let's stand together. And we're going to just recite this. And again, it's 1 Corinthians 15, particularly the first few verses, if you want to look it up and read it later. But let's uh, confess the gospel of salvation together. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ was buried. Christ was raised on the third day. Christ appeared to many witnesses. Christ ascended in glory, Christ will come again. And can God's people say amen? This is the gospel. Let's uh, be seated and we're going to come to the Lord's table now. If you are here and you understand and believe that, that Christ has died for sin according to scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised for your justification and your salvation. And that one day when he comes again, it's not a fearful thing. It is a time to shout hallelujah as the angel blows the trumpet and say, this is what I have longed for. Brothers and sisters, if you believe that, I invite you to come to this table and to receive from the Lord. We're going to be passing out the elements in just a moment, but first let us uh, rehearse what the Lord has done for us. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to pass out the elements, and I encourage you as as we do, and we take just a moment, uh, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Is there something that is causing us to draw back from relationship, from community? If there is, confess that to the Lord, ask the Lord to open those doors. Or if you say, I'm actually really building in right now, and that's good, then give thanks to God for the joy and the blessing of that. And then we will take the elements together in just a couple moments. Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Father, we give you thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ, who took flesh to work salvation for us. We thank you that his body was broken so that we might be healed, and that in bringing us back to you, he also united us with one another in his body, the church. Brothers and sisters, the people of God, take and eat. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Father, we give you thanks for the blood of our Lord Jesus, which has sealed the new covenant, paid for all our sin, brought us back into communion with God, and made us members of of the church, your covenant people, forever. Brothers and sisters, people of God, take and drink. Let's stand together. And as you do, I remind you, those were quotes from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 12. The Apostle writes these words, for we were all baptized in one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slave or free, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who opened our eyes to the gospel, who united us with Christ, who fills us with gifts and joy, and who is forming us into the image of our Lord Jesus. And we thank you that since the one Spirit dwells in us, we are being built into the one temple of God in the earth, united with one another in praising and worshiping you. Lord, we are grateful that by the Holy Spirit today we have experienced true communion with you. And we are grateful that by the Spirit, we can also experience true communion and fellowship with your people now and forevermore. Lord, what a gift you have given to us in giving us your Holy Spirit. So Father, now we give you thanks for all of this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And God's people say, amen. Amen. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed. Go forth and spread that blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.